Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Well, I suppose I could be more disgusted that, um, than I was at this game. Also, I discovered that my Surfing Donuts t-shirt was no better luck than my Packers t-shirts. Yep, we're just going to keep going through old t-shirts until we find the lucky one, because apparently that's what we need to do. Yeah, Dad, this was a tough one. Uh, it was not the most painful loss of the season for the Packers, but it was one of the more frustrating ones. Uh, if you missed this game, Packers lose 34-20 to at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that they kind of needed to win to really keep their playoff c- control of their playoff lives alive. They could still win out and have an over 95% chance of making the playoffs, but at this point, it's feeling kind of gross. Um it was just think about where this team was two weeks ago and everyone was riding high and yeah. crazy how much uh, two weeks can change, huh, Dad? Yeah. I mean, the more we talked about how well, we need to keep playing uh, the good teams and we'll just play to the level of the competition. Except I think we didn't play to the level of the competition this week. We we dropped below the level of the competition this week. One side of the ball in particular really dropped below the level of competition and really dropped below the level of competitive football in general in this game. And we're going to talk all about that. It's the defense, if you if you yes, somehow we're talking about game. historical about numbers in some his ways. Really bad defensive performance from the Packers in this one. I mean, you give up 34 points at home. We're going to get into it. We're going to be talking all about the defense, all about the offense, some good from the offense, some bad from the offense, some bad from the defense. I, there's not the other side, really. I'm, some, I hate to some break other it bad, to you. Some other bad, some from, other the bad from the defense. But yes, we're going to talk all about it. But before we get into any of that today, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, stats that we find interesting while we're researching for these episodes, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, one-stop shopping for everything Titletown. And then come uh, follow us on your podcast platform of choice. Sorry, subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube so you can find us there. Um, if you subscribe to us on YouTube, it would really help our numbers with the algorithm, so we would really appreciate it. But, Dad, let's get into this game. Um, frustrating game. Uh, like we said, Packers lose 34-20. to Before we get into it, though, just a few injury updates. Start with Always start with that because it's, you know, the worst part of these. Jair Alexander still unable to go in this game. Uh, AJ, uh, So that's six games missed in a row for him, which is really tough. And then A.J. Dillon with that broken thumb wasn't able to go in the end, as expected. Christian Watson was not able to go, and Darnell Savage was also not able to go. For Jair, uh, Matt LaFleur said that they... He was pretty much asked, you know, if he's missed six games in a row, why was he not put on IR? Has there been a setback, et cetera, et cetera? He was kind of asked about the injury. And he said essentially that they miscalculated the injury and that for him with that shoulder injury, tackling is a big issue. Um, Dad, some people are really getting up in arms over this. Jair has played through injuries before. He has played hurt before. He clearly is not able to play with this shoulder injury. I think people can just, you know, people are way too dramatic is pretty much how I feel about right. it. Right. People always want to, you know, add some kind of personality problem with somebody when they can't play because they're hurt. It, and and so, so they all say, well, he looks good running around. It's like, yeah, it's his shoulder. It's not his leg. Of course he can run around fine. And they don't tackle in practice. So yeah. saying he looks fine running around is meaningless. And taking that as your evidence that he's somehow, you know, Ready to play the most violent sport, one of the most violent sports in the entire world. 
yeah, no, come on. People Let's be serious. are always looking for, uh, yeah, it, it, it drives me a little crazy. Yeah, I can tell. And it's, it's most, it doesn't drive me as crazy as it drives you, but I do find it, you know, a tad bit annoying. Jair has been, you know, one of the leaders of this team for a long time. He's been a staple of the team for a long time. He's played hurt before. I just, let's just be serious here. He can't play. If he could play, he would be playing. It's as simple as that. Um, But dad, any thoughts on any of those other injuries? Um, Oh, and then in game, um, Joe, Aaron Jones, Eric Stokes made his return and Aaron Jones made their returns. Um, and then Dontavian Wicks was able to play as well, so that is good. Jaden that Reed was quite the fast turnaround yes. for Wicks. I did not expect him to be able to play when they were calling it a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and then uh, Jaden Reed left at a point with a toe injury. Uh, he also left at one point with a chest injury and came back and then left with a toe injury. He was kind of in and out. He's been dealing with a lot of stuff this entire year, kind of all over. Um, but those are the injury updates. Dad, any thoughts on any from prior to the game or during the game, etc.? Well, I kind of said what I what I would about some of them. Uh, some being a little surprised um, for Wicks to be able to make it back. Dylan, like they were talking, like they were going to try to get him back with a broken thumb. It's like, please no. I think that um, was pretty clearly to me the whole week. Smoke and mirrors It's like, yeah, like we think he can just carry it in one hand. Like, okay, who are you fooling? What are we really? Or maybe, what are we doing or maybe that was you know if Jones wasn't actually going to be able to make it back. I don't know. Yeah, but but yes, it smoke is. and mirrors. It, you know. You know, you know what season it is for uh, d- describing player injuries. Jair, Jair uh, told us, "I'm going to lie to you season. now." Yeah, it's yes. lying season, but it's lying season the whole year round. Three hundred sixty-five, right? Days exactly, three hundred sixty-five. That's what I mean by it's lying season. So it's uh, you know, it's a calendar. It's a day that ends in Y. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's it for the injuries, Dad. Let's get into the game breakdown as a whole, though. Getting a little bit more analytical. Start with the biggest moment of the game, and we do this kind of, you know more objectively we just do it by change in espn win probability based on the single play and we call that the play of the game we got two that are you might notice that i cheated a little bit because they're kind of close together yeah we got two that are pretty close to one another uh the first was the touchdown pass to rashad white at 11 37 left in the third which made it 20 to 10 um the win probability went from a 65 and a half percent odds for tampa bay to a 79 percent chance for tampa bay with a so that's a 13 and a half percentage point swing uh, and the second was, you know, actually one that was good for the Packers. It was the J.J. Anigbare sack fumble and recovery at the goal line, uh, which was a 12.8% swing in favor of Green Bay from a 51.7% chance to a 64.5% chance. And boy, dad, did the game change after that. They did not do much else after that. Let's get into the offense first or defense first, dad. Which one are you feeling? Let's start with the offense because I think we can just breeze through that and then just lay into the defense. Because my you really want to you really want to end this on the, on a on a bitter taste. It was one of the or you want to go on a rant. I want to go on a rant. We're not going to talk about the defense first, though, Dad. Let's start with the offense. Um, let's start with what they're saying. This is per Lily Zhao on Twitter. Jordan Love quote: "No one is quitting. Guys are finding ways to battle. It's all about how we finish the season now." End quote. Um, let's start with the good things, dad. What did you like from the offense in this one? So I like the way that they started out the first drive and the way Aaron Jones looked on that first drive. And of course it didn't always go that way, but he had in the, in the first drive, he had eight carries for 44 yards. Um, and they got you know the Packers all the way inside the five. They ended up coming away empty, but I thought he looked really good at hitting the holes between like the, the guard, the tackle, you know, running in between the tackles and, basically showing some wiggle and escapability to 
hit hit the gap decisively quickly and get downfield. I mean, he had um, what five carries of of five or more in that in that one possession. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Yeah, and he you started tell the, the game looking, looking. I was like, okay, this is kind of what the offense has been missing is like this explosive capability in their run game because you know Dylan had been playing well I think the last three four weeks where it's like okay he's consistently being successful with his runs but that 20 yard run is not necessarily something that Dylan was bringing to the offense and it's, it was nice to see Jones back out there and the dynamism that he brought to that ground game yeah and then for another one of my positives I, I'm still pushing that uh, Dontavian Wicks train I am I'm on board I think this guy always looks good He's been saying he's he just gets all, all he does is get open and and, and, uh, and then now break tackles as well. Led the team with ninety seven receiving yards, tied for he, the team lead with six receptions. He is a demon with the ball in his hands for someone like he's like kind of a slight yeah. frame, and he is just he will not go down. It's re- he. I got on this train late. I had to chase it as it was going out the station. I had to jump on as it was already picking up speed. But I I legitimately think he might be the best. Res- the, he should get a shot at being the number one wide receiver next year going into the season because I the efficiency is scaling. Like he is getting more volume and the efficiency numbers are staying pretty similar. It's it's pretty remarkable actually. Yeah, so so he he led the team in yards per reception at 16.2. Led the team in yards per route run, still it's like over 3. Um 3.13 is like well ahead of everybody else on the team and that was with six receptions and I forget how many targets he had. Maybe it was like eight. It was but six receptions game. on seven targets for 97 yards. Seven targets. Quite the game. Seven targets. Sorry. I know he didn't catch them all. Um, led the team in, in total yak yards after the catch. Um, second in yards after the catch per reception behind Kraft. Um, second on the team also to Jaden Reed in average yards of separation per next-gen stats. So he's getting open. He's getting yak. The guy what is just he not, is, What is he not doing? That's the thing. It's like, what is he right. not doing? He is succeeding at at everything right now. He's, I think, he's been the he best was, receiver on the team for like three, four weeks now. It's it's crazy. The guy's a steal. He he could potentially be a number one receiver. I, mean, I think he's. I think we should legitimately talk about how he should be at least ahead of everybody except for Watson right now. Yeah, and uh, you maybe read because I I do think maybe that Reed, Reed, has also, Reed also has been very, very good, very good for a rookie as well, and so not I, even just for a rookie, it, just it, very it, good. It could be that their top three receivers, you know, should actually be Watson, Wicks, and Reed. I think People we're almost have been past, pushing. We're almost we're pushing almost jobs for a while now, but yeah, yeah because I, I, I think there you're, in just, terms of- you're just watching him play, and he's he's more he has more. And this isn't even a shot at Dobbs. I think Dobbs had like a fine game. He had decent, good efficiency on a low number of targets. But you're just watching Wicks out there, and it's like every single catch is going for twenty yards. Like this is insane. This it's it's crazy and. We're, I think we're past the point of should be because he's leading the team almost Maybe already in is. targets and recept- or receptions. And I don't think he actually led them in targets in this one. I think he had one fewer but than, uh, than Jaden Reed did. But he's one of the two or three highest volume receivers on the team right now. He, I think he's clearly already passed Dobbs. Um, but you know, my, my positive dad, did you have anything else you wanted to say on Wicks? Because I have, I have yeah. some on Wicks just, as well. Just these, was a, you know, a fifth round steal. No, an absolute steal. Thank goodness that that team was terrible his senior year because if they weren't, he definitely would have gone a lot, a lot sooner. Um, A lot of people said if he had had another year like that, he would have been borderline first rounder. Yeah. He didn't have the speed people like, but he's got a lot of other good traits. 
Yeah, and so just on the day, uh, Dobbs did have 54 snaps. Um, Wicks had 47. Um, although that is much uh, a tighter split than last week where Dobbs had 56 and Wicks had 43. So, you know, maybe bit by bit, he might end up surpassing Dobbs. I guess we'll see. If he keeps playing like this, it's hard to see him not. Um, like I said, I had more. I, I just thought all the young pass catchers looked great in this game. Um, Wicks, like you said, six recep- six receptions on seven targets for 97 yards. 1.04 uh, expected points added per target per RBSDM, which great. Um, Jaden Reed, six recep- receptions on eight targets for 52 yards and a touchdown and just a phenomenal touchdown catch. Some places had him at nine targets. Uh, it kind of depends where you look. I'm not sure why that's different from place to place, but just figured I'd throw that in there. And uh, 0.27 expected points added per target. Um, and then Tucker Craft, four receptions on six targets for 57 yards and a touchdown, like you mentioned, uh, led the team in yak per reception. Uh, and then 0.6 expected points added per target. And then Malik Heath and Romeo Dobbs had pretty good days as well, just on lower volumes, combined for six catches on six targets for 59 yards and a success rate of 100% when targeted. Great game from pretty much all the young pass catchers in this one, Dad. I was I was substantially impressed by pretty much every single one of them that took the field, honestly, in this one. Yeah, it's just... Uh... Almost all of them are are making plays every week. Maybe not on every pass attempt, like some of them did this week, but um, everybody's everybody's contributing. Yeah, everyone's contributing. And the guy, the my other positive is the guy that's you know kind of the conductor of the train is he had another he had a solid bounce back game. I would say exactly. Jordan Jordan Love had a good game in this one, and I think showed some really good things. He was twenty nine of thirty nine for two hundred eighty four yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Overall, uh, in week 15, amongst 30 quarterbacks with a minimum of 20 plays, he was 11th in EPA per play, uh, just 16th in success rate, but then 6th in completion percentage over expectation. This game was a bit odd and a little unlike some of his better performances previously because he had a weirdly low average depth of target, uh, just 6.4 yards per attempt per PFF, which is even lower than last week, the lowest of his career. Um, It is noteworthy because a lot of these other games where he had this really low average depth of target like the game against the Raiders, like the game last week against the Giants, he really struggled. But in this one, he actually had a very solid performance, which I think is at least something of note, you know, able to have a good game while having that low average depth of target, you know, able to have good games in different ways, I think is interesting. Again, just 10 of 39 attempts past 10 yards. Uh, again, the second lowest of the season. That's the same as last week, actually. Um, I don't love it, but I did just find it interesting that he was able to have a good game on a low A dot, which he had not yet to this point. So I just figured I'd point it out. On the season, he is on pace for 4,090 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 13 picks, and a completion percentage of 62.6%. He is currently ninth in the league in EPA per play, just 18th in success rate, and 20th in completion percentage over expectation. But those numbers have just been rising as the season has gone on, and you know, hopefully he'll get up to about the midway point in those two by the end of the year. But Dad, Really good, uh, I think a really solid game from Jordan Love. And then overall, you know, he's just putting together a very nice first year as a starter, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's been looking more and more like a top 10 quarterback in the league as it goes on. So I, I, I think whether he'll ever get to sort of MVP level um, performance, but I think he's, you know, the the chance of him being a top 10 quarterback in the, the league odds is are, rising. The odds are going up, exactly. Yeah. Um. Anything else that you wanted to say positively for the offense stat, or do you want to touch on maybe a few negatives? Or if you wanted to talk about Jordan Love's performance at all and anything else that stood out to you? I, well, oh, I did want to say one thing. 
the throw to Jaden Reed in the corner of the end zone. You want to to shout out that throw? I think that's the best throw he's made of his career so far because, you know, avoiding the pass rush, slipping slipping through a tiny gap between the offensive linemen on the run to his right and just ripping it to the back right corner of the end zone for a touchdown when you really needed a touchdown. That was sick. That was sick. Go back and go back and shout out Reed again for that catch. The toe tap swag as they while he's he's right while he's corralling that ball and just keeping those toes firmly planted in in place. Yeah, and he had the toes down for about like like a shutter click, maybe two frames of having both toes down. But hey, it works. But no, yeah, I I thought really nice day from Love. Some really awesome flashes overall. I mean, he was what eighty percent, like over eighty completion, eighty percent completion percentage on the day, which is also pretty nuts. Um, yeah, uh, just a, a really nice day from Love and a nice bounce back after not a great performance. Sorry, seventy four percent completion percentage on the day for Love, um, but a really nice uh, bounce back game after you know what wasn't a great performance against the Giants. Yeah, and, and other things that I, I had later, I'll tell you now is like he had. You know, no turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF. Four big-time throws, you know, including that great um, touchdown throw to Reed. It was yep. just a, a very – even though it wasn't like a lot of slinging it deep downfield, it was just a, a lot of good play. I mean, it wasn't 100%. You know, he had a maybe an off-target throw, but it was just all around a a, a high-level high performance. A good game. Yeah, a high-level performance. Um, but, Dad, let's touch on a few negatives for the offense. I don't mind going first. The run game after that first drive, we kind of hinted at it earlier, was non-existent. Um, they, like you said, they had eight carries for 44 yards on the first drive, five and a half yards per carry. Six of those eight carries could be deemed successful. Um, after that, though, they had just seven carries from running backs for 15 yards, 2.1 yards per carry, and a long of six yards. Uh, here are the carries. I might as well list them because they're only seven. Aaron Jones, negative one yard. Kenyon Drake, zero yards. Jones, three yards. Jones, zero yards. Jones, four yards. Jones, three yards. Taylor, six yards. Uh, 28.6% success rate of, uh, over those carries. The current league worst is 30.6%, and that's the Jets. So after that first drive, they had essentially the worst run game by success rate in the league this week. Um, was this a play calling issue, Dad? I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think so. Um the Packers had the eighth highest neutral pass rate per RBSTM, which they define as win probability between 20 and 80% on first and second downs. So they weren't like even the most pass heavy team in the league. Although maybe if you take out that first drive, they would be. It's a good question. I probably should have looked at as well a little more closely. Um, but, you know, the success rate running was higher than the success rate passing, but EPA per play on the passing for them in this game was much higher. And then when they did run, like we already established, it was really bad. So I can't be that mad at the fact that they didn't run it much. I, I'm more a little a little disappointed that they ran with such little success on the day after that first drive where it looked so promising. Yeah, I would say that I was getting a, va- a bad vibe about this game when I heard Vita Vea was going to be playing again. It's like yeah. gave me gave me some... Uh, um, flashbacks of a playoff game a few years ago where he's out for a while, he's out for a while. Oh, he's doubtful. Oh, wait, he's questionable. Oh, wait, he's playing. Yeah, and that like, was... Oh, great. And that was with an all-pro center in Corey Lindsley. And Josh Myers got his lunch eat in this game, and we'll talk about it. Well, go ahead. I think you yeah, have well, that down, right? He got I have that down as, as my... Right, so here we are. Bad things. Time for bad things. My one bad thing I had is Myers had the the worst grade on offense on the team with... With poor grades on both both run and pass blocking, and one holding penalty, 
And he had a rough day. I mean, it started off kind of good. I was like watching that, that first run. I think he did a decent job of sealing the block to, to make that small gap that he had to, to his right. But then basically all the, all the running plays the rest of the game, almost inside the, you know, from guard to guard, we're not working. And whether it's to the right, right guard or left guard, there's a not much common there. denominator there with yeah. Myers at center. And he just was having a rough game. And maybe he would just, I think they had talked about who was it that they, um, they have pushed back into the backfield. The announcers are oh. commenting on how huge he is. I forget if that was Myers or Runyon or who it was that he bulldozed into the, into the backfield. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it was a it's, rough it's, it's disappointing because Myers, I think, had been stringing together a series of like pretty decent performances, uh, especially like when you consider our expectations for him, like and how he had been playing the past couple of seasons. I, I thought he had played quite well over the last like handful of weeks, but this one was certainly one to forget for him. Um, that yeah. any yeah. go ahead. Oh, I just say yeah, you're right. He had actually been exceeding my expectations for a few weeks. I had been hot, kind of hard on him and looking at it's like that. Oh wait, he's he's doing okay. He's putting together a few good games in a row. And this one was one, yeah, was not. It was good. bad. It was bad. It was one to forget for him. Um, Vea is a tough matchup, but yeah, definitely one to forget for him. Um, things that made us think that, or do you have anything else uh, positive or negative? I had, I had a couple things that made me think. What did you have? For me, it's like uh, who should be getting the snaps at right guard and left tackle. Ryan got more snaps this week than Runyon. Um, can I? Can and- I note one thing? Uh, I sure. actually, Paul Brettel, uh had an article for Packers Wire about this. I also talked about Sean Ryan's uptick in snaps and my things to think about. Um, is the most snaps Ryan, up to this point, the most snaps that Ryan had had was 15. And this game, he played 29 snaps to John Runyon's 31, which is almost a 50-50 split. So they clearly wanted to play him a little bit more in this game. Uh, it didn't go great. Uh, I'll let you, I'll cede the floor to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a bad um, pass blocking grade and gave up oh he had um, a bad two... he had a bad everything grade dad he had yeah. the and, and second so... he had the second lowest overall graded offensive lineman on the team per pff only myers was lower the second lowest graded run blocker on the team amongst all linemen um only myers was lower and he was the lowest graded pass blocking off- offensive lineman on the team two pressures allowed most on the team so a, a pretty bad day from him and runyon actually played pretty well so the fact that he got more snaps and was very bad was not great for the case that he should be the starter going forward. Right. This is a, a rare case. Where he, he's t- often been not as good in the pass blocking, but better in run blocking. But this time he then Runyon. This time he was worse at run blocking as well um, than Runyon, and was and Runyon was much better than he was. Runyon, in fact, was like had the best pass blocking grade on the team on the team. Yeah, and, he had a good game. And, and Ryan had one of the one of the worst. Yeah, it was a it was a tough day for Ryan, and it's tough that that's like the game where he got his most run as a starter, or as like with the with the starting yeah. five that is. But and then, and then in left, yeah, and then in left tackle, Nyman was better in pass pro this time, and Walker was better in run blocking. See, that's I don't know if we really, there's no right, way that's this, real. We're in the upside down here and figured out uh, who. It really makes it hard to figure out who's who uh, over over there. I'm going to call that noise because I, I don't think I believe that Walker's a better run blocker than no, I, mean, I don't believe that Nyman's a better pass blocker than Walker either. It's so. just the, the, the waters are getting muddier and muddier. Yeah. This game is the definition of muddy water. Speaking of muddy waters, dad, let's move on to the defense. Um, what they're oh, saying, you say let's move, let's move on to some old musicians. Uh, I don't even get that reference. I'm a little too young for that one. <laughs> 
Um, but what I they're saying, I'm too young. I'm too young for that one. So, Lily Zhao on Twitter. Um, so I just want to preface this. So, despite numerous questions, this is not this is not from her. This is just my editorialization of the scenario. Matt Lafleur was borderline being badgered by reporters in the post game press conference about the status of Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator in this one. And I will say, in that post game presser, I thought he essentially gave the least amount of support to Barry that he had up to date. It was the most wishy-washy. I think almost every question was some form of what do you think of how Joe Barry called the defense? How did the defense allow this many, et cetera, et cetera, yards, this a perfect passer rating to Baker Mayfield, which we'll talk about. And almost every question was answered with some variety of, I need to watch the tape where in the past he would generally stand beside Barry and be like, Oh no, we just think we got to be better at this, this, and this. Um, so I, I do think that's at least a positive because I think what we'll talk about when we talk about the defense dad is I think we're both at the point where it is time to move on. Uh, there are, it's always hard when you want to talk about someone, whether or not they, it's always hard to talk about firing someone. Um, but I think I want to phrase it this way. There are people, there are people out there who are, who would probably a do a better job in this position and b have done more to earn the opportunity of this position than Joe Barry has. Uh, Joe Barry has had his opportunities. He's had three years when a lot of people might've only given him two. I think the Packers and Matt LaFleur have been more than fair to him in terms of, you know, letting him play this out. And it's just has not been good enough. And we'll talk about this game kind of as, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, but today, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur was asked about whether or not Joe Barry would be the defensive coordinator for the rest of the year if they were going to make a change in season. Uh, and Matt LaFleur kind of reaffirmed his commitment. This is the this is today. We are recording this, uh, Monday, December 18th, the evening. Um, the game was on yesterday, the 17th. But today, he said that he is going to have Barry as the defensive coordinator the rest of the year. I believe he said some variety of if he thought that a change at defensive play caller would make a difference, that he would make it. Um, but that's not how we see it. And then Lily Zhao on Twitter, this is a quote from Matt LaFleur. Um, quote, it's disappointing when you go out there and it's basic concepts. Doesn't matter what phase, but basic install. And we have self-inflicted communication errors and guys, quite frankly, not in the right spot. That's tough to watch. Um, it kind of sounds like he's putting the onus on the players to play better. But at the same time, if the players are not in the right spots, to me, that's on the defensive coordinator too, because you're the one teaching them these concepts. And if they don't get it, if everyone in the class is failing, it's the teacher's fault. A bit of that, in my opinion. We have been, we have I don't been know. Talking, talking that uh, message all season. You know, it's one thing where you have, you know, one person in the class who's not getting it. But when the entire class isn't getting it, and you got you know like three quarters of the defense who don't really aren't sure what their assignments are, and the communication is bad, then it's the person who's been teaching them. Yeah, and it's it's you can say oh like the calls are fine, but the players like are not communi- communicating the calls or are not executing the calls right or aren't running the right. That's on the defensive coordinator too. You can be like oh it's not his fault as a play caller. Fine. It's his fault as a coordinator. Um, It's still his fault as the coordinator. Exactly. But, Dad, let's get into how poor this Packers defensive performance was. The Packers allow 34 points at home to Tampa Bay, to Baker Mayfield. Dad, I'm going to let you start. I I don't even want to talk about the – I mean, let's just breeze through the positives. Right. Let's just squeeze the little positives out of here. Let's breeze through them. The Packers had – had five sacks on the day, which is, you know, pretty solid. Um, it's the second most sacks Baker's taken on the year. 
Uh, they turned just nine pressures into five sacks, so they converted those pressures to sacks at a pretty good rate, which was a problem they had last year. They did not allow Baker to scramble at all. So that's the only positive that I had. Everything else was negative. Dad, get your positive out of the way, and then let's rant a little bit. So I said, like, the, the little bit better, the, the run defense up the, up the middle is getting better. Slayton and Wyatt both had stop percentages per PFF in, uh, of 13 and 14.3%, respectively, which the over the course defense, of the season, I still which over the course of the season would be in the top five. Yeah, um, and I still thought the run defense was pretty bad. The The cognitive dissonance that I had where I I couldn't believe I was saying it, but they would run the ball and I'd be like, oh, thank goodness they ran the ball. The The amount <laughs> of like, I, I can't. What did I just say? I was like, what, what did I say? I was like, thank goodness they ran the ball against us. I remember just several weeks ago, I was like, oh, thank goodness they dropped back to pass. What a bunch of idiots. They could have just ran it for 10 yards of carry. But in this one, I was like, oh, thank goodness they ran the ball. They've been throwing it for 13 yards an attempt every single time. Um, Dad, finish your positive. Sorry I interrupted you. And then I'm going to rant. I think that was kind of it. You know, just that they, that um, up the middle, Wyatt and Slayton are making more plays in the, in the run game. And I think they've been improving as the year's gone on. Um, and this was not a bad yeah. game in that respect for the two Yeah, I mean... Let's move to negatives, though. Um, this was some of the worst pass defense and coverage I have ever seen in my entire lifetime of watching football. Baker Mayfield in this game was 22 of 28 for 381 yards and four touchdowns and a perfect passer rating. That's 13.6 yards per attempt. And then even if you include the sa- the five sacks that he took and I believe 20-something yards that he lost on those sacks... He was still over 10 yards a drop back. So anytime they called a pass play, they were getting 10 yards. It was the 11th highest yards per drop back of any quarterback with at least 20 dropbacks in a game this season. And then per uh, Dyre Carriger on Twitter, uh, the PFF coverage grade of 29.3 for the Packers in this game was the lowest single game grade of any team in the last five oh, seasons. Not even just this year. The last five the years. Last five years is yep. the worst coverage grade PFF PFF has given out. It was atrocious. I mean, just guys, the the play that comes to mind where I'm, where I think it's like you have Keyshawn Nixon on third and three trying to guard three different people. He is in, he is somehow responsible for three guys, and he goes to the guy on the out, and then the guy in the 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 curl there is wide open for a first down. And it's like it's not even it's not Keyshawn's fault. Who's he supposed to guard there? If he went the other way, it was a first down the other guy. So, and then, you know, you have Eric Stokes thinking that there's safety help over the top when there's not. But then if you actually look at that play, even if he had safety help over the top, there's a guy screaming to the far right corner who was wide open too. So what are we doing here? No one is in the right place. No one is making plays on the ball. They're getting, te- anytime they call the pass play, dad, they're getting 10 yards. We had him in, we'll have him in second and 19. It's a first down. We had him third and 12, up three, or sorry, down three. Third and 12. We get a stop there. We get the ball back. They call a screen and get 17 yards or something. And first down. Oh, that was the one to I, uh, Godwin, I believe. Rashad White? Rashad White? Who no, Godwin, I believe, on the left, oh. on the left side. And so Which it wasn't it was, just my imagination was that um, Evans and Godwin were just wide open in our secondary, especially especially the middle of the field. How, it could, almost, it, how could it be your imagination? Almost all in the was, middle of the field. When, it was, when Godwin had 10 catches for 150 yards. Right, what are we doing? Be best, best game of the year for Godwin. He had not been having a great year, and he, he hadn't just even practiced us, this like, week. I don't think he. I don't think he practiced one time this week. Like, what are we yeah, doing? 
they weren't expecting him to play necessarily. Oh my goodness! I just I can't and and I I have I have stuck stuck up for Joe Barry at times this season where I'm like, hey, like the secondary that he's dealing with is not very good. He's making the most with some broken pieces, but my goodness, the Packers are now down to like 29th in DVOA in the season. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. There are tons of other defensive coordinators who are doing more with less. You got Jacksonville's in the top 10 of DVOA. I wouldn't say their roster is demonstrably better than the Packers on defense. You got the Vikings who are like third in DVOA on defense. Their roster's not very good, especially in the secondary. You just see all these other coordinators doing more with less, and it becomes harder and harder to make excuses for Barry. And I'm never going to call for someone to be fired, but all I'm going to say is he's had a good amount of opportunities. There are people out there who deserve those opportunities more than him and who would do a better job than him. They're bottom 10 in almost every single metric. It's just bad. It's too, it's, it's not tenable anymore. You can't make excuses for it anymore. Sorry Dad. I've been ranting. I'm going to let you talk. Okay. Well, I'll go on into, uh, to add on to the, the Mayfield. I think he had, you know, I think you mentioned is like 13.6 yards per attempt. A number so high, it would be second in the league on the season if it was yards per completion. Yeah, um, that, that's something, isn't it? That's crazy. That's his insane. highest, his previous high of the season was only nine point six against Tennessee for for yards per attempt. So we gave up fully four yards per attempt more than his previous high, and he carved up the middle of the Packers defense in particular, twelve of fourteen in the middle of the field, and no incompletions with passes. That were more than ten yards downfield. Yeah, up over the middle, over the middle of the field. Wait, one more time. Um, no incompletions in the middle, right? Not, not the in whole the middle. thing. In the middle of the field. No, no. Past 10 in yards. the middle of the field, past ten. Yeah. So, no when, if he threw it past ten yards in the middle of the field, he was. I mean, ten for line, ten, something the like that. Packers in coverage in this game Maybe. were lost. Yeah, lost without a map. Oh. The whole game. Yeah. So, so overall, we talk about points per drive as a kind of. Rate neutral, rate independent metric for how well you're actually performing. They gave up a putrid 3.78 points per drive. Dad, they forced, 3.78. They forced one punt and had one forced fumble, and Tampa scored on every other drive. Every well, other they, drive. They managed to they managed to kill us with a with a, a four minute drill too. Oh, that's right. The, the end. Of, they're fine. The last drive of the game. I guess they did not. Which score. is they not a it. success. <laughs> that no, was not a success. No, it's not. No, it is, and the and the one punt we forced was the greatest punt I've ever seen in my life, which I, we'll talk about when we get to special teams, whatever. Yeah, but so on the season, um, the Bucks they were only averaging one point eight five points per drive, so they doubled it against us. Yeah, yeah, and so also the 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 league leader for the season is the is Dallas at two point nine seven, three point seven eight to the Buccaneers. And the thing and one, is, yeah, and, and as we said, one of those drives without a score was when they managed to just run out the entire clock from the 418 remaining, yeah. so we and never got the ball back. Never touched the ball again. I mean, it was already over at that point, but but dead. And it's not even just this game. You go look at what Tommy DeVito did this week against the Saints. Oh, he, he got scored six points, and he was terrible. He was awful. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, so he was the. If NFC, you want to look at his, he was, he was the NFC Player of the Week last week <laughs> when he played us. And he was yeah, not it, awful this week against the Saints. We got sacked again, like what, what seven or not seven to nine times or something like that. You We're see the, the sack numbers; it's like seven, six, seven, six, not and Packers zero. 
we're going to go back and look at the legacy of Tommy DeVito and look at those sack numbers and be like, huh, what happened here? Like, I guess he got knocked <laughs> out of the game and didn't play. I guess he didn't <laughs> play this game. Every other game, he's getting sacked five times. He must not have played against Green Bay. Nope. Nope, they couldn't get there. Yeah, no, it's, but we're focusing on Tampa Bay. Dad, it was, this is the yeah. first time a so, visiting quarterback has ever had a perfect passer rating in Lambeau. We're, yeah. we're to, making to, teams, Baker Mayf- to Baker Mayfield. To Baker Mayf- teams are making graphics against, record graphics against us every time we trot out on the field. And it, you're at home. Ugh, it's uh, it's the, so bad. The, it's onion, so bad. the onion was trolling us, trolling the Packers defense yes. this week. Yes, the onion. Do you know how bad and how, like, nationally recognized got, as a joke right. that the onion is reporting it's on you? Out, it's gotten out of sort of, like, football-centric notice. So even outside of the sports world, people are becoming aware of the Packers' defense. It's 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 so... It's so speaking of which, is the, you know, you're talking about the coverage. Six of the 11 defenders who had, like, covered anybody had PFF grades in the 40s, including all four corners. And Quay Walker. Campbell was terrible. got up to 57, 51.7. I watched that game. Campbell was terrible in that game. He was and so uh, they, they had like two players. like overseas, So almost everybody was terrible in coverage. And it fit the eye test. Guys were, it was hard. I mean, I think there are some of those plays like, I don't, I can't tell who to assign this coverage um, to. Because yeah. nobody's close to him. No one's close to they him. Had... No one's there. Do you think, okay, question. And I want to put you on the spot. Do you think that Joe Barry has lost the locker room? That is a very good question. It's hard to tell from the outside, but I would not be surprised um, that he has. And because, I mean, I'm and, and, and one reason I'm asking because this was unconscionably terrible from the defense, like to the point where I can't, it's hard to imagine they're trying and it was this bad because. And we talked about during the offseason, you know, apparently they had had some, the players had had meetings with Barry about how they wanted the defense called and they wanted to be more aggressive. And we know Barry does not like being aggressive on defense. So I'm, that's just part of the reason that I'm asking. Sorry, go ahead and say what you're going to so say. So I don't have any insight into how they're actually behaving or talking in the locker room. You know, we don't have any, we don't have any access to anything. Well, the I only will... thing that would make, the only thing that would make you wonder is how they don't seem to be doing their assignments because maybe they're not listening because they don't believe in him. Believe in it. Yeah, and that's... And my other question is, you know, the other reason I ask is after the game, a lot of players, defensive players in the locker room gave quotes that were, you know, of the tone that was like, we weren't prepared. Uh, we didn't know that that was coming. Like they talked about the Rashad White, like I think it was down the field pass. And he's like, yeah, no, we we were just going downhill to the screen because we had been practicing all week to just trigger on the screen. And then he slipped out behind us and it was an easy, t- like stuff like that where they, a lot of quotes about like, oh yeah, we just weren't ready for that or we weren't prepared. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, kind of slight shots that, you know, hey, a, like can a, we- a subtle, subtle dig there. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, because I, they can't run it back with Barry next year. And I'm I'm okay with Matt LaFleur not firing him after this game if he wants to ride out the rest of the season because, you know, he just doesn't think changing anything at this point is going to be, you know, going to change much. But if Barry's back another year, I mean, I just can't take, I can't take it seriously. And it's getting to the point where 
I, I think Matt LaFleur is a good head coach. Has he hired a single good assistant in his time with the Packers? I mean, going through it, you got Menenga, bad hire. Um, you got, uh, he didn't hire Petten. Petten was already here, so that's fine. Hackett, I mean, he was a good offensive coordinator here, so I, I guess I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's been bad when everywhere was, else. When did Stenovich get here as an O-line coach? I'm, I'm talking just coordinators, not assistants. Oh, coordinators, did, not he assistants. He did get here okay. with Matt LaFleur's first year. Um, Stenovich as an OC has, I mean, not really done anything, so I can't really say much. The offense has gotten worse since he's been the offensive coordinator, but I wouldn't say that's all on him. Um, Drayton, uh, other special team coordinator, bad. Uh, Joe Barry, bad. Rich Basaccia, bad. I mean, one out of four coordinators has been maybe good, and that's Hackett. I just, I, yeah. this is a clearly a gap in his skills as a head coach. I don't know what they do hiring a defensive coordinator next year because dad i don't know if you've seen so many people on packers twitter are like oh hire just hire brandon staley just hire brandon staley as the defensive coordinator hell no do not do <laughs> how is that an upgrade do not do it he is terrible they over the past three years when joe barry has been the defensive coordinator of the packers and Brandon Staley has been the head coach of the Chargers. The Chargers are worse on defense than the Packers by most metrics. Like EPA per play, they're worse. Success rate, they're like 0.2%, 0.002% better. It's like, do not do that, please, for the love of God. And something that I think actually interesting is uh, Wendell Ferreira on Twitter tweeted out, like, teams that are employing, like, people that are of the Vic Fangio tree, so that too high cover shell that was gaining popularity like two years ago. Only the Dolphins of like six teams are even top 20 in DVOA on defense. So I just wonder like, is this scheme just done is my question. I mean, we don't even really run cover two very much anymore. We've kind of pivoted to like a cover three system. We, we honestly barely even run that stuff anymore, but only the Dolphins who are actually employing Vic Fangio. None of these other Fangio disciples are doing really much anything right. with their defenses. It's, so is this just the same story of like Belichick assistance? I don't know. Going off and failing. It's like well, nobody can actually succeed doing this except for the guy himself. And Brian Flores, apparently. But that's just uh, one of for them. The de- for defense. Yes, for defense. Um, but no, but I, not as a head coach. I just, what do you think about that, Dad? Do you think, I think we need an entire scheme change. I, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch this prevent defense every single play. I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, they need somebody who actually has ideas of their own that that they've shown they're good. Not just running someone else's Not passive, aggressive. Like, like, I just, yeah, no, it's very frustrating. It's very, very, very frustrating. Um, I know we've been- I want to stop hiring people because they, like, are adjacent to somebody who's good. Yeah. I mean, it worked out for Matt LaFleur, is the thing. But besides that, it's been, it's not been great. Um. I think Matt LaFleur's got to worry about how how tightly he's tying himself to this anchor. Yes. And that's the thing is like if they run it back with Joe Barry and they're bad, I don't think Matt LaFleur's job is safe anymore. Like his job is he he will be the head coach next year. Like, you know. Yes, for sure. Yes, for sure. Barring like something crazy. But any massive like ridiculous scandal or something. Yeah. But anyway, just based on performance on the field, he's going to be the head coach next year. Here's the question. If they're bad, like, meh again next year, I, I don't think he's, like, so safe that he's... I, I don't know. I guess I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But the question... We're going to have to start looking... Hopefully, we're going to get to start looking at possible defensive coordinator hires. 
But dad, anything else on the defense? We've been rambling for a while. Um, I have a thing that makes us think that is also a negative. So if I should just continue on that. So um, Mayfield's passing grade when blitzed was 92, when not blitzed, sorry, was 92.5, but was only 62.7 when blitzed is PFF grade. In this game or on the season? In this game, in this game. Despite this, we only blitzed on eight of 33 dropbacks. We don't blitz. We never do. And the other negative thing I was going to say is we barely got any pressure in this game. He was only pressured nine times, which is the second fewest total pressures in a game this season per PFF, for Baker, that is, and the third fewest pressures per dropback per PFF in a game for him. If you're not getting pressure with four, you got to send five because there is no quarterback in the NFL where if you just let him pat the ball back there, like he's not going to carve you up. So you got to... you. If you can't get pressure with four, you got to send five. If you can't pressure, send pressure with five, you got to send six. If you can't get pressure with six, you're screwed. You're dead out of luck because you just can't. I don't know. It's just frustrating, Dad. It's just frustrating. I'm going to blow my top. Um, sorry, go ahead with your negatives. on the. It, it was bad. What did you think about Stokes' return? He didn't play well. It doesn't really – this is his first game back. His first game back, I, I was, I was uh, not really expecting a good game from him. I wasn't sure how many snaps they would give him. Um, I think he played more than I more than I would have expected, um, yeah, but it was like but it was half. it was it was a little rough. It was it was pretty bad. Hopefully, you know, just getting his legs under him, and I'm not gonna freak out about it yet. So it is what it is. Dad, anything else on the defense, or let's move to special teams and get this thing over with. Yeah, and I don't have uh, much though. I felt like pretty much everybody kind of did their job on special teams. They almost got a, a blocked field goal. Maybe twice they almost got a blocked field goal. I felt like they were like this close to blocking like three kicks, whether they were a field goal or extra points. Like they were they were really close coming off the left side. Left if you're facing towards the goalpost. The, offen- the offensive the offense is the left. Offense is left side. They the were kicking teams really, left. Yes. Yeah. Like, really whoever close. that was on the defense's right, I didn't actually catch who it was, came flying in and just missed it a couple times. A couple different times. Um, like I said. Greatest punt I've ever seen in my life by Jake Camardo of the Buccaneers. I mean, he killed a 65-yard punt that died at the four-yard line. Right. I have 65 never in the seen air. it. I've never seen it. 65 in the air and just dead at the four. That was incredible. Yeah. I, I just you're wanted like, to shout like, that out because I've never seen a punt like back, that. Backed life. up, backed up, backked up a uh, five-iron. Jaden Reed's just sprinting backwards and he's like, oh my goodness. Like you just see him running backwards for the ball going 20 yards over his head. And then he's like, oh, like, oh, it's going to bounce inside the five. Like, I'm not going to feel yeah. that. Like, that's the right thing to do because it's, it's good. It, it, it was the right back. choice. It's like, like, thank you for and not it, trying to feel that ball. But then it's stuck. I, it's stuck like a golf ball in a wet green. Like it made a, like it made a divot. Like this was a perfect punt. But anyway, well, someone's got to go and repeat He had to go repair his ball bark after that, after it's, that punt. Oh my goodness. But anyway, yeah, we're not going to talk too much more about special teams. It was fine. Basaccia is still a bad special teams coordinator. They're still like the most special penalized special teams in the league. They're still very low in the rankings of special teams. Uh, he, they're not going to replace both coordinators in one off season. So if I had my choice, they're going to, I'd prefer Barry to be gone, but I just want to make it noted that I don't think Passaccia is good at his job either. Um, Dad, let's get this over with player of the game. Who'd you have? I had Jordan Love. You know, I thought he, he had no turnover worthy plays, two touchdowns, right? Two touchdowns, no interceptions, um, four big time throws, including that great throw to um, Jane Reed in the corner of the end zone. Yep. I thought all, all in all, he looked like he a, it's looking more and more like a, a quarterback guy. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I said Dontavian Wicks. We already gushed about him a lot when we were talking about the offense. 
Very good game from him. Um, looking kind of arguably, you know, maybe the best wide receiver on this roster, regardless of health. Um, but yeah, that, that was my player of the game. Frustrating game. Packers, like we said, can still win out and have a over 95% chance of making the playoffs. Um, but at this point, I think, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been the Father Son Packers podcast. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, stats that we find when we're researching for these episodes, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can even find all our episodes on YouTube as well. Uh, we put them all up there. And if you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers with you know algorithm things. Anyway, we will be coming to you with two episodes a week the rest of the year, um, pre-games and post-games for every single game. And then during the off-season, we'll still be doing an episode a week talking about how we thought the season went, free agency, the draft, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, come tune in with us through the off-season as well. But thank you so much for listening. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.